1: Full disclosure, I have worked for Mr. B in the past, but now here we both are on the show. Mr. B, welcome to Gen Zero's Talk Politics.
2: Well, thank you for having me. It's great to be
1: here. For our listeners who don't know you, what is your channel about?
2: Well, it's it's a social studies channel, so that's a pretty broad range. And so I would say, like, to make it more narrow, my specialties are American political history uh, and geography because I have this compared series that it's pretty uh, successful compared to some of my other just straight history videos. Although sometimes I dabble with just random stuff, like I'll occasionally just do a psychology video or economics video for the heck of it. But yeah, it's generally social studies, but I'm kind of known as the president guy on on YouTube now at this point. (laughs) It just kind of (laughs) happened.
0: And what inspired you to begin this YouTube channel in the first place?
2: Well, I started it way back in 2011, is when I first started publishing videos. Uh, my earliest videos that were educational were just for my students in my classroom. So when I first started teaching, like student teaching, so I was brand new. That's when I started making the videos, and because I couldn't really find any ones that were decent enough online. Not saying that mine were decent; mine were pretty bad as well. Uh, but but yeah, so over time. Uh, Other teachers started to show them in their classroom and or students from other teachers uh, found my videos just searching online. And so I I started to make more of them in response to that. But I would say up until around 2016 or 2017, um, most of my videos were curriculum based. They were like stuff that students need to learn in a typical middle school or high school classroom, social studies classroom. And so I had that in mind, but I kind of shifted things around 2017 to make more curiosity-based videos. To kind of like, I think something that was really influential to me was in 2017. I went to VidCon and um, I saw different panels, and they all kind of said the same thing, which was essentially like, go with first and foremost what makes you curious, and then learning will just kind of come along the way. And so my motto ever since has been just trick people into learning, and they'll learn what they need to know eventually because you're like sparking that curiosity, you know? So,
0: yeah, I mean, on your channel,
2: like you've mentioned, you've
0: talked about, you talk about presidents, you talk about government programs, current events, many topics. So you've mentioned that your intention is to, you know, just educate people on a curiosity basis, but you also maintained a nonpartisan perspective on these things. How can you maintain a nonpartisan perspective on these ideas in such a partisan country? (laughs)
2: That's a good question, Josh. Uh, Yeah, I would say it's tough, definitely, especially because I sometimes dabble in current events a little bit. I have never been that partisan. Full disclosure, I'm usually registered as unaffiliated in my home state of Kansas when I vote, and I, I vote in every election. You can, oh, I mean, you know, if I want to vote in a primary or caucus, over the years I've I've registered temporarily in order to do that because there's closed primaries. But yeah, like, so it helps that personally I don't have this blind loyalty to a political party or really just one organization in general. and so I think the the trick is, uh, I actually have a video about why people get so angry when they talk about politics. I, I mentioned this in that video. It's like. Uh, I focus more on policies and issues and um, I know that can be boring for a lot of people, so you've got to be really strategic with how you how I do it. I, I try to be strategic to get you know more engagement. But I think if you focus more on policies and issues versus just specific people too much, and I say that as some of my most popular videos are my top 10 you know presidents in history or senators or governors in history, American history. And and I do that kind of, <laughs> I'll be honest, like to try to reel in people that normally wouldn't watch my channel. But really those are kind of just for fun. I think the the ones that are more important for ed- education are like, like, for example, I, I have a video uh, recently about um, the history of drug regulation with the FDA. That's the stuff that I think is like... <laughs> It's not partisan whatsoever. It's just, but it's something that I think is important. So you just got to focus on the concepts or issues or policies.
0: Yeah, I just have a follow up question to um, what you mentioned. Some of your popular videos do include you ranking senators, governors. Yeah. You know, you even recently did, I believe uh, a couple months ago, your personal ranking of all the US presidents like you've told us you do commit to trying to remain as nonpartisan as possible, but don't, don't you think your politics kind of factors into how you rank these presidents in terms of the little details?
2: Yeah. Um. But if you look at my rankings of presidents, <laughs> I, it's pretty clear I don't have blind loyalty to one political party. And it's usually revolves around character for me, like leadership ability and character are the two most important things I think, because policies are a lot of times, uh, It can be achieved in different ways yeah like my politics oh i mean it's just like people that comment on my channel they'll say well you're biased and i'm like yeah i am (laughs) so what's your point um but i think the difference is like i'm coming at it in good faith most of the time even if it's a issue like or a like a person i generally disagree with i'm very strongly against censorship and so I, i i really want as many ideas to be heard as possible um, because I think that's how we're all better off. Even the bad ideas, because I have bad ideas.
1: So, just saying that topic for a second. Your day job is teaching high school history. How does that? how is what you've been saying translate to the classroom? It's, it's you know, <laughs> yeah. You know, we're dealing with the era of mass polarization, a pandemic, an insurrection, social media. How do you deal with it in the classroom when you when you're constrained by, you know, curriculum and by administration, and you're not in the Realm of YouTube, where you have more freedom. How do you how do you do it?
2: Well, I do have a captive audience in the classroom. They they don't choose to be there like they do with my YouTube channel. They have to be there, and so I'm very sensitive to different perspectives. Um, I would say my school where or, or I, I teach is it's a fairly conservative school overall, like the the demographics, and it's a smaller town not outside of Kansas City. I think what I do constantly is I play devil's advocate. So like a lot of my students they have no idea where I stand politically and it's great like it's funny how a lot of them think they have me figured out and this is the same thing online actually sometimes I've noticed some people kind of get it but I think part of the reason is I, I avoid labels on myself and I think that helps as well because like if I'm always like questioning even my own beliefs like for I'll just give you a quick example when Barack Obama was president for eight years you know I I found myself, gravitating more to the right end of the political spectrum that's kind of the contrarianism i guess i don't want to ever be too comfortable with my own beliefs uh whereas in the george w bush administration i was to the left before that and then once trump becomes president oh i'm going back to the left as well um, and now that biden's president i find myself like <laughs> you know being more open to criticism to him and so uh, i think that's healthy honestly it kind of goes back to the what we were saying earlier, blind loyalty to one group. You shouldn't have blind loyalty to even ideas. So just don't marry your ideas. Just constantly evolve.
0: <laughs> I kind of want to actually uh, piggyback off of Jacob's question a little bit. So critical race theory has actually been banned in multiple states, as you know. Um, you're an educator. Uh, you educate both in the classroom and on your YouTube channel. So how do you think our country should go about educating our youth on the darker aspects of American history?
2: Well, I think we should tell them the truth. Don't whitewash history. Um, don't leave parts out because it's inconvenient or it hurts the narrative. Like tell them as much as possible. Uh, share as many perspectives as possible. Um, my generation, um, which I'm considered an old millennial, I guess, but I was in high school in the late 90s, and I even only got the textbook, or I got like essentially one version of history. And being in Kansas, that was not the Howard Zinn version of history, <laughs> that was like a more conservative bent on things. So I think a lot of teachers are worried that important perspectives are being left out. It is censorship. But at the same time, I think it's going to be really difficult. I actually, I've read some of these laws they've passed or bills that are they're wanting to pass. And uh, it appears to me they don't even understand what critical race theory is because what they're wanting to ban isn't critical race theory. like it's pretty funny because like I don't think they I think what they're trying to ban, they, what they're trying to promote generally is uh, color blindness, like don't even bring up race is what they're trying to do, which, Uh, Maybe that that would be fine someday. But uh, I don't think we're ready for that yet, because we're not at a post racial society yet. So uh, clearly. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, like, um, I'm not worried about all these new laws, like it's just something else they're trying to do to censor. And, 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 you know, curriculums aren't going to really be changing that much because you can't ignore these things. You know, you can't just ignore slavery and the legacy of it and the legacy of Jim Crow and all this. So, Moving on, a specialty for U.S. presidential elections. In fact, you
0: actually wrote a book on them. Um, the 2020 election, as you know, is unique in the sense that the losing candidate never conceded. Even Tilden ultimately conceded in the highly contested election of 1876. So what do you believe will be the long-term impact in future elections of Donald Trump's denial of the results?
2: I think it's more of a blip. Uh, I mean, even these copycats of uh, Trump, uh, you know, like DeSantis in Florida, like you can tell he tries to be, he's like a Trump wannabe, but he's also like just a better person. Like, you know, it's, he's not, it's pretty clear. He's not a narcissist, I guess that helps. And so there's a certain point where human beings just kind of have a little bit of empathy and really pragmatism, like being pragmatic, because I think um, so many times Trump has shot himself in the foot. You know, if he would have just uh, conceded, maybe his agenda would be stronger now, you know, like he really turned uh, off a, lot, a big segment of the I actually in my own community, I know people that voted for Trump and even in 2020. And then after the the insurrection, they told me they regretted voting for him again. Um, because of the insurrection and because of him refusing to concede. So I think future politicians are going to learn from that, I I hope. (laughs) But I think they uh, this will be something that is goes down as a rare thing. Now, that said, there's going to be there's still going to be ordinary people that are no matter what saying uh, calling election fraud. So we're going to still have to deal with a certain percentage of the population doing that. But yeah, I'm thinking I'm hoping (laughs) anyway, our leaders are are not going to be doing what he did.
1: Um, our generation, Gen Z, we're going to be facing a lot of problems. Um, we're, we're coming of age. We're facing massive economic upheaval, the pandemic, artificial climate change—you name it. You teach kids every day. What advice do you have for us? What what wisdom can you impart from interacting with us on a daily basis and from really viewing us through the lens of educator, viewing us through the lens of someone who you know has a more in-depth knowledge of our collective psyche than most. Politicians do today.
2: I can only be optimistic when I think about your generation. I think that, um, like, I was just telling another teacher this uh, back in May that the kids I teach now, compared to when I start, first started teaching, are nicer uh, and more empathetic, more aware of what's going on in the world, you know? And I think a big part of that is the good part of social media, which people tend to forget, which is, uh, we're more connected than ever. Now more than ever, we have people in one country that are friends with people in different countries. We have people that previously were completely isolated from other parts of the world now are connected. And I think that's, that's your generation. And so you kind of have that advantage now. And so I think going forward, we're going to, those problems you mentioned, like climate change and rising income inequality, that's even worse than it was in the Gilded Age, uh, and all these other things, um, I think they will get resolved. I really think in the next 20 to 30 years, we're going to see a lot of that stuff resolved. Now, a lot of the the like social issues already, you're even seeing people like uh, on the right end of the, the spectrum who have uh, led by Gen-, Gen Z that are rejecting these old cultural issues. Great example is gay marriage. Um, this is something that when I was in high school, if you were on the right end of the political spectrum, generally you were against gay marriage, whereas flash forward to today and pretty much every Gen Z conservative out there, there's, a, there's there are some exceptions i've come across them but generally are pro-gay marriage so that's just one example and i think uh marijuana is another example too like massachusetts is legal right i'm pretty sure yeah pretty much yeah kansas will be the last one (laughs) yeah (laughs) kansas will be the last one but yeah it's it's crazy 2012 was colorado when they first voted to legalize it and so less than 10 years ago so Uh, And then, and of course it was younger people that led the charge with that too, that came out to vote on that specific issue. So, uh, so certain things are already changing as I guess my point.
1: (laughs) So that's all the questions we have to wrap up. Is there anything else you'd like to tell our listeners, anything you want to promote anything last words of wisdom?
2: Well, I think you, you two do a great job. Like I was telling Mrs. Beat when I listened to your podcast, I was just like, man, Imagine if I was in like where they were when I was their age, like where I'd be today. Cause I think about that. Like I was an idiot when I was 18 years old, I was like, uh, and part of it was, I was, I had a pretty sheltered upbringing and, but I feel like I'm constantly like, I I feel more connected with younger folks, obviously, cause I teach younger folks, but also like, because they, um, just, I want to be inspired. And I feel like, uh, I'm not getting that from people, my age and older, I'm not getting like much reform mindedness, I guess, if that makes sense, like, like the world can be better. Um, And it seems like you want to reach a certain age, all of a sudden, and usually it coincides with like economic stability, by the way, like, oh, I've come, I've got to a point in my life where I own a house, I have a retirement portfolio. So now I can be like, uh, the world's fine the way it is. So maybe I'll end with this, like you, you guys and everyone, your age, your whole generation stay this way. Like, <laughs> like even when you're 80 years old, like the world needs to keep uh, moving forward. Um, so don't lose that fire.
1: <laughs> thank you so much for coming on this. Thank you for someone of your caliber. We're just a little, little thingy podcast.
2: And
0: not to mention too, you're actually our first guest who is not a Gen Zer. So oh, I guess wow. congratulations on
2: breaking precedent with that wow. as
0: well.
2: So. I feel so special. <laughs> Thanks for having me.
1: And that concludes this episode of Gen Zers Talk Politics. Be sure to join our Discord server, follow us on Instagram at Gen Zers Talk Politics, and on Twitter at Gen Zero's Talk Poly with an I, and add or email us to ask your burning questions.
0: Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you next time.